<clears throat> you know, um, when I first got married, me and my wife were trying to figure out how to, you know, get finances in order, get our bills paid on time. And, you know, from being single to being married to big jump. Well, you know, I, I kind of say it, but, you know, it's an embarrassing story, but I'm going to share it with you guys. But there was a point in time where my son was just born and I forgot to pay the electricity bill. So, you know, back then when they didn't have smart meters, what they would do is the guy would come about nine o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning, and he comes to your meter and shuts you down. Well, you know, I'm getting ready to go to work that morning and, you know, I hear my, my, my son crying in the background and I can just hear him crying. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's time to, you know, get his bottle ready. You know, we're warming up the milk in the microwave and all of a sudden it goes dark. And I'm just like, man. And so my first thought was, there's a power outage in the neighborhood. It couldn't be because I forgot to pay the bill. So I go outside, ask my neighbor. He's like, no, I got power. And I'm like, okay, I didn't pay my bill. And so at that time, of course, again, they didn't have smart meters. So I call Centerpoint because you got to call your energy provider. I had Reliant. So I'm on the phone with Reliant explaining to them the situation of how important this is. Like my son, my newborn son needs warm milk. He needs to have the, the milk warmed up so he can have his meal. I mean, I told him everything and anything you can imagine to get them to come back out. But the lady said, hopefully your power can turn on today. I, was, I had access to power. I got denied access to power because I failed to pay the electricity bill. Well, at the end of the day, around 6, 5 o'clock, guy comes, and it was, it was so awesome to see that guy come back again. It was awesome because he came to restore the power. And with the flip of a switch, we had power again. Last week, we looked at the purpose in which and why Christ came to redeem us, to make, so we could be a ransom, so he could be a ransom for many, so we would be brought near to him. And today we're going to be looking at his presence, God's presence, but what Christ does to bring us back into the presence of God. So if you could turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. This is access granted. This is power on, verse 7 through 25. Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust, of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made the spring up of every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to, the water, to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Phasion. It was the one that flowed around the whole land of Havala where there is gold and the gold of the land is good. Bedelium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gahan. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush, and the name of that third and, and the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth is the Euphrates. Now watch this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
The first job ever was a gardener. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I love my job. I'm a gardener for y'all who don't know. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave name to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. This is a picture of the father bringing the bride. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were both naked and not ashamed. They'll run around their birthday suits. Hear me out, family. What we're reading is that God created man. He gave man a responsibility and a job to name the animals. He gave him a responsibility to take care of the Garden of Eden. But this is the point that I want us to really focus on, is that the presence of God is before man. God is with man and man is with God. Man was enjoying all of God's goodness, all of God's glory, Everything good that was made was before man, and especially the relational component. There was a personal relationship that man had with God. We have to understand the privilege. See, we can't, our, our minds can't understand it because we're used to seeing people that we love live, and then they pass away. Or people we know get sick, and they die. There's never been a point in history of mankind other than this point that there has not been sin and suffering and death and disease. This is a perfect picture, a perfect world right here. And man was enjoying perfect calmness, no anxiety, no fear, no worries. Man lived with God and God provided all that man needed. Access was granted into the presence of God. But then, the power gets cut off. Oh, snap. Genesis 3 happens, man. It's like Genesis 3 happens and everything just falls apart. So let's go to Genesis 3. And I'm going to hover over this text because we have a lot of ground to cover. In Genesis 3, we see that Eve is deceived by the serpent We see that she eats of the tree. She gives him to her husband. Husband's right there next to her. He eats it. They both disobey God. 
The man blames the woman, like most men do, blame the women. It's all your fault. They take no responsibility. I will say that for the men. Men, we take our responsibility. Take your responsibility. Man does not take responsibility, but blames the woman, right? The moment they sinned, they hid from the presence of God. God had told them, the moment that you would eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. So what Adam and Eve truly experienced was a separation, a spiritual death, if you will. They were separated from the presence of God. The moment they sinned, they were separated. They were once united, now they separated. Access denied. This is God who created man in his image. Watch, go, go, go to Genesis 127, just one page over. Hmm. 127. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Man was made in the image of God. Man enjoyed the privileges of being before the glory of God, but then access was denied because sin came in. Now, this is something that we really don't talk about, but watch this. Go to 3.23, Genesis 3.23 through 24. Then the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Watch this, verse 24. He drove out the man. This is... The man he created, this is the man that got to see God in all his glory, to experience the privilege of being before God, and he was made, man was made to live for eternity. That's why God said, you can eat of any tree, but not the tree of good and evil, but you can have from the tree of life. Man was meant to live forever. Now we see God driving out man from the garden. And at the east of the garden, verse 24, of Eden, he placed a cherim and a flaming sword. When I read this, this blows my mind. I'm trying to understand a cherim. It's like a little angel, right? Like an angel. He placed the cherim and a flaming sword, read this, that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Man was driven out by God. When I was thinking about this example, we have to understand that God designed man to be in the presence of him, to worship him. Every person is made to worship. It's in our DNA, it's in our nature. And now in the presence of God, man was doing that because sin came in, there was separated. Imagine feeling the feeling of being betrayed, of hearts. You know, we read, in, we read in John that when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. And, and I was really trying to, and I don't want to put more in the text that's there that's not there. But what I was trying to understand is if, if we're made in God's image and we have our emotions that come from God, our love, our fear, our, our love, fear is not an emotion that God has, but that's something we experience because of separation of God, but the love I can only imagine how God felt when he had to drive man out of the garden because of sin. 
access was denied. And ultimately, sin separated man from God. And this is something we all need to understand because sometimes we don't think that, you know, that we're deserving of what happened back in the garden. But I want us to turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Listen, family. There's not one of us here who's not affected by the fall. The more we know how the story began, we sh- let, me, let, me, let me take a moment to say this. Here at Caruso Grace, we will always preach the gospel. And I love what C.J. Mahaney says. He said that we should never be satisfied with our understanding of the gospel. Never. It should always amaze us. And we should look at it like a diamond with many facets. Because the gospel is that beautiful. The gospel is so beautiful that we can't even understand this side of eternity, this side of our life, what it's going to be like in eternity. We can't. And the gospel gives us a small glimpse of God's radical love for sinners like us. Okay. Just wanted to share that. Every one of us has been affected by the fall. There's not one person here. And so, so this is what I want us to look at. I want us to look a little bit fast forward to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. And we're going to see Moses meeting, wanting to meet with God, wanting to be before the presence of God. And look at what God says. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. This is Moses asking the Lord to show him his glory. Moses said, please show me your glory. Moses at this time has saw God turn the bitter water into sweet water with just a log thrown in the water. Moses had seen God split the Red Sea, them cross cross the dry ground. Moses saw things, miracles that we can, we probably will never read the text. But we, we read some things. Moses has the right idea. He wants to see God's glory. Please show me your glory, verse 18. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And will cover you with my hand until I've passed. Then I will take away my hand 
and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Man cannot stand or even crawl into the presence of God without dying. That's how holy God is. And Moses is not even worthy enough to see the face of God. You know, um, years ago, years long, like 2000 and, what is it, 2004. Man, that's a long time ago now. Man. I was, uh, I was recruited to be in a movie, The Alamo. And so it's with Dennis Quaid and Billy Bob Thornton. It's a really cheesy movie. Disney did a really horrible job of it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. But I remember being on set and, and seeing celebrities walk by. And I remember I, I, I could never see their face, but I would always see their back as they're walking away from the set because they wouldn't allow the, uh, um, the artistic background artists, uh, you know, another fancy word for saying the, the extras, you know, see the, 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 the celebrities. And so they gave us the condition. They said, if you go and talk to Billy Bob, we're going to fire you. If you go talk to Dennis Quaid, we're going to follow you, fire, fire you. If you go talk to Emilio Echevarria, which is a great Mexican actor, by the way, we're going to fire you. So we were just fearful of being before them to even think that we would get fired. So everybody kind of just stood back. When they came, we stood away. We didn't want to be near them because they were paying us good money, like $100 a day. And, I, and for me, that was a good money back then, you know, $100 a day. But when we would see the celebrities pass by, we could only see their back. That's all we could see without getting fired. Moses could only see the back of God's glory because if he were to see his face instead of being fired, he would have been killed. He would have died instantly. When we read in Leviticus later on that Aaron's sons touched the Ark of the Covenant when they weren't supposed to, and they were struck dead. God is holy. See, family, we need to understand that we can't get to God on our own power. We can't do it on our own strength. So today, I ask you, if you have a relationship with the Lord, if you profess faith in Christ, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and on the third day he rose again, what keeps you from his presence? If you believe that he died for you when you were still a sinner, when you were his enemy, and he knew the things that you were going to commit, you didn't scare God with what you did last night. Someone didn't hear me. You didn't scare God with what you did last night. That sin that you committed in the dark, in the secret, that no one knows about. You didn't, say, you didn't scare God to a point and be like, I can't believe again. If we believe that he died for us when we were broken, enemies, what keeps us from his presence? First John tells us to confess our sins. And he is faithful to forgive us of what? Of some things? Of all unrighteousness. What keeps us from going 
You know, I, I think it's three things. Three quick things. I think it's guilt. We feel guilty. We feel shame. We feel condemned. And all those things are just a lie that the enemy wants us to believe. There's a, there's a good book called uh, Beating God to the Punch. It's a crazy title, I know, um, by Eric Mason. And in this book, he gives this example of an elephant. This man's at the circus, and he sees this elephant tied with a small string of rope to a small pole. And so this man goes and asks the circus hand, he says, why is that elephant just tied with that small piece of rope? He could snap it in a moment. It doesn't make sense. And the circus hand said, well, from the time that the baby's an elephant, from the time that the elephant is a baby, and we bring them in, we tie them to that rope. They begin to believe that they can't break that rope because they've been trained to think that rope holds them in place because when they were babies, they were held by that rope. Hear me out, family. Because we're born into sin in this broken world, when Jesus comes to set us free, we're like that elephant with the rope. We still think that things are holding us back. We still think that sin has a grip over us. No. No. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. All this, all this, I lead off to say, is that the presence of God should never be like a duty or chore that we have to go into. Oh, I got to go talk to God now. Look at what I did now. You can come in. I love, and we'll get into that right now in Hebrews 4.16, with confidence. We can approach his throne of mercy and grace. We can. You know, the Lord instructed Moses to build a tabernacle. And we can go ahead and bring that image up, bro, when you get a chance. But he instructed Moses to build this tabernacle. And the priests could only enter into this certain portion. Is it up yet? He's bringing it up. He could only enter this portion of the tabernacle once a year on the Day of Atonement. And why this is important is because no one else was allowed into that area. The Holy of Holies. No one was allowed to enter that in, unless the high priest made a sacrifice for himself first and then for the people. And on top of that, they would tie, oh, there it is, okay. Got my laser pointer. I'm getting fancy today. This is the Holy of Holies. Ooh, wow, yeah. Okay, this is the Holy of Holies. Now hear me out. The priests could only go in one time a year. And they would tie bells to this guy. And if there was sin found in him, 
he was struck dead. He could not enter at all. This veil, this curtain, is what separated the glory of God from the other part of the temple. Why is this important? Because man was separated from God. All the sacrifices that they would do, every animal that was slaughtered for sin was pointing forward. Man, if you ever seen an animal skinned after you've gone on a hunt, it's a pretty brutal process, and I've seen it. You know, but man, them steak burgers taste good. They taste real good. I'm not going to lie to you. I love steak. I love bacon. I love every meat that the Lord provides. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, brother. Thank you. I love me some meat. But hear me out. The way they would sacrifice those animals, man, it's when you read it, you're like, wow, sprinkle blood there, sprinkle blood here, put the, the entrails there, do this, do that. It's, man, it's specific. But the reason why is because this system was pointing toward a future. It was pointing toward the ultimate sacrifice. So we would have access restored. The blood of bulls and goats and rams wasn't enough. See, what Jesus comes to do, he comes to restore our relationship so we could be back in the presence of God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Access restored. This is like when the power came on for me at the house. You know, like, thank you, Jesus, I got power now. You know, I could play my, at that time, I could play my Xbox. I ain't got time to play my Xbox anymore, man. Like, playing Madden football. He nice, nice to be a beast on Madden football. Man, I'm sorry. I'm just, I like to play sports. All right, anyways, I know it doesn't look like it, though. That's all right, though. Hebrews 6, 19, verse 6, 19 through 20. Watch this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Anchor shows stability, a hope, something to look forward to that enters into the inner parts behind the curtain. But can you bring the image up again? One more time. Bring it up for you. Behind the curtain, this curtain that separated man from God's glory. Now man would have access because Jesus is the great high priest who was allowed to go behind there. Because he was sinless. He was without blemish. He was tempted in every single way, but without sin. Because God knew that he would come rescue us one day to come restore us one day so we could be back in that presence with God. Listen to me, family. We're allowed the privilege to come before the Lord on a daily basis. We don't understand what was needed before. We would need to wait one time out the year for an animal to be sacrificed for us, for a covering of our sins. Now we can go to God freely because Jesus sacrificed himself 
So we can go to God in prayer. We can go to God right now. We can close our eyes, have our eyes open. Our eyes don't need to be closed. We can go to God at any moment and give him praise, give him glory, talk to him like we talk to our friends. Talk to him like we talk to our mother and our father. We can talk to him with intimacy of our deepest, darkest struggles. We can give him everything. And that's liberating. We don't need to hide anything from his presence. Because he knows all things. But Jesus has allowed us to have that access restored unto the presence of God. Watch, go to Hebrews 4.16. This is how we're able and how we should come to the Lord. Hebrews 4.16. We're almost done. Let us then with confidence, not with fear, but with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can draw near family to his throne today because of the great work of Christ on our behalf. Don't don't trust those words. Go, Go with me one more time. John chapter 14, verse 1. Look at what Jesus says. This is Jesus' desire for us, what he wants for us. John 14, verse 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you also may be. Family, listen. Jesus has come to restore the broken relationship so we can be in the presence of God once again. So no longer be in a garden, but in a house, the Father's house. Yes, those roads are covered in gold. Yes, they're beautiful streets, but all those roads and all those streets lead to the throne of grace. Somebody said that. We go to be with the Lord. This life is temporary. The hurt, the brokenness that you're experiencing is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us on that day. We have eternity ahead of us, family. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of a man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Today, I bring you this message of hope that is not your own strength, is not your own merits, it's not your good works. Sorry. 
but crisis, what he's done. So this holiday season, as we're with family and friends, we're reminded about what the great sacrifice and love God has done to reunite a family that was broken. When families are reunited, you see those videos all the time where a daughter is reunited with her mother. This would be the great reunion that takes place. We'll be united again to God. No more pain, no more suffering. More importantly, us glorifying God in all his majestic glory. For us to say, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain. That we would look upon his throne and be struck with amazement, with no words to speak. On that day, family, it's a beautiful day that we hope and long to see. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you, Father, for the work of Christ. Lord, it amazes me, Lord, that, that while we were your enemies, Lord, while we were still sinners, Lord, you died for the unrighteous. You died for broken men, sinful men who hated you. And Lord, today bring a reminder to our hearts, Lord God, that there's nothing good in us at all. And either we're God-haters because you haven't changed our hearts, Lord, but you've had mercy upon us today to hear this message of restoration, that you desire a relationship with us. And you prove that by sending your son to live, to die, and to rise again in victory. Lord Jesus, as you're standing right now at the right hand of the Father, we thank you. We want to say that we love you because you first loved us. We want to say thank you for the great sacrifice that you shed your life's blood for us, that you laid your very de- your life down for us. And we didn't deserve it, Lord. And we wanted nothing to do with you, Lord. You died for us. No greater love is this, that a man laid down his life for another man. Jesus, you laid down your life, willingly. Laid down your life. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we would become the righteousness of God. Oh, thank you, Father, for that great, great sacrifice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you work in the heart of the person here today, Lord, who you brought here today, Lord, that today the invitation's made open that you would turn away from trusting in yourself and look and turn toward Christ. That you would see the great sacrifice, the great love of God displayed on the cross of Calvary for your sins and mine. Lord, move in that heart this day, Lord. Bring dead men and women to life this day, Lord. And remind us, Lord, that you're not done with us, Lord. That guilt and shame cannot keep us from your presence. 
because Christ already died for us. That we'd be reminded that there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that we could go to your throne of grace receiving mercy, forgiveness. Lord, that you would lead us, Lord, to turn away from the things this world desire you above all, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.